0: Strange things are afoot at the circle, kid, That kid is back on the escalator again!
1: Ain't don't hurt.
0: Is my boomstick! Game over, man! Game over! Welcome to The Bargain Bin. He is your host,
1: Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandry Luketic. And today we're talking about 2007's 30 Days of Night. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you've already seen the film. Now ben. before we get into this, I, actually, I have to apologize, man. What do you I have didn't to... realize that this is the third vampire movie I've picked. Really? Yeah.
0: Stakeland.
1: Bloodsucking bastards.
0: Oh yeah. To be honest though,
1: I don't care. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I just wanted to pick a really fun movie that uh, took place during the winter.
0: I thought you were going for the thematic thing, right? Like, we were in Alaska last week, and we're in Alaska again this week. But much further north. Um, Before we get into the actual episode, though, a few days ago, our Christmas episode aired. And I promised you that I would watch at least one movie on the list. I've now watched two of them. What two? Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and I just finished uh, Krampus this morning. Hmm. Do tell. Honestly, Nightmare Before Christmas is not for me. I could see that. It, it's a quality movie. It's it's definitely made with care, but there's just something about it that doesn't. It just doesn't work for me. Like it again, is very. Like I, I can't even say like it's a bad movie. I can't critique it. It just didn't really fit for
1: me. That's understandable. It's not for everybody. No. It is a very well done film, though.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm often very impressed. Like, was that... That was stop animation, or did they actually move on to CG at that point?
1: Uh, stop motion. I think they might have uh, peppered in some CG, but for the most part, stop motion. See, like, I'm always impressed
0: by stop motion movies. Like, the amount of work that that must take is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um As for Krampus, that one I really liked.
1: Yeah. It's a really fun twist on uh, not only Christmas, but horror. Keeping a folklore element to it.
0: See, I got to focus on the fun part because I really had issues with taking it too seriously as a horror. Yeah, you couldn't. Right? But I did enjoy it. And I don't know how I would categorize it, which seems to be a problem most of the time. But, like, it was good for one viewing. There was a few fun scenes. I loved when uh, the gingerbread man, like, dives into the air. And then the dog snatches him up. I'm not going to say too much more because this isn't a movie that we gave a warning about. But um, that one is definitely an enjoyable watch that I could recommend. I just don't know what genre I could recommend it to. But either way, I promised you I'd watch one,
1: and I've watched two. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm curious to know what you thought about the design of the Krampus itself, though.
0: I was a little thrown off by it. Um, Thrown off now? So when when you first see, like, the more direct, right? Because, like, they show it very subtly in the background and things like that. You'll see just the hooves and things like that. Like, they they keep it more of a, a hidden image for a while. Yes. When you first see it, I thought that the facial features were too much like Santa. I really thought they would go more heavily on, like, a goat or some sort of hoofed animal look. Um, where that kind of threw me off with, like, the horns coming out, the slumped-over body. Um, But overall, like, it was pretty imaginative.
1: See, I saw it as, like, a Santa Claus skin mask. That's, like, it looks like that,
0: and then to me that stands out a little bit more, right? Like, if they had gone more creature-like, then maybe it wouldn't have, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have stood out as much, but the face, like... It really stood out as not kind of fitting the imagery of the rest of it. Not to say that they didn't take like there's clearly a lot of spots where they didn't take it seriously, mm-hmm. but uh, eh, honestly, it's 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 one that I'm I'd say I didn't like it or dislike it. I'm I'm cool. pretty
1: neutral with it. It was all right. Cool, man. All right. Well, I'm glad you uh, you enjoyed some elements of it. Um, I I think with the design, I uh, I really appreciated the less is more idea, mm-hmm. but that's just me. All right, so should we get to the actual movie of the episode? Yes, let's get to the movie of the week, 30 Days of Night. Uh, I'm going to start off just by giving a really, really brief description of it, in case anybody listening hasn't seen the movie, because it's the plot itself is very bare bones and won't take long, and then i will go into ratings. Sure. So we'll start off with IMDb's description of 30 Days of Night. After an Alaskan town is plunged into darkness for a month, it is attacked by a bloodthirsty gang of vampires. Simple. Yes? Yeah enjoyable again like I said less is more going back to the Krampus design wait um, that that was the whole thing that was the whole thing
0: Oh, I thought that was like oh this is the first like couple sentences That's... nope it, it is one sentence with a comma splice
1: <laughs> yeah they, uh, really, I... <laughs> they really didn't mess around with that but really how much more can you say in a synopsis like that without giving away some pretty fun plot points um IMDb's rating for it was 6.6 out of 10 Uh, For Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter It sits at 51% and an audience score of 56% and I think that is Awful, the movie is much Better than that, but before I talk about what I think Sandra, what did you think of this movie?
0: No, 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 I got it twisted around This week and I have to implore you to Go first
1: Oh god, I don't like where that's going
0: So, Um, Ben, what did you Think of this movie?
1: I loved Almost all of this movie
0: It's the almost that intrigues
1: me. Mm Mhm. It's almost a a reversal of uh, my opinion on Fat Man. Okay. Yeah, which I will get into when I get into nitpicks. Okay. um, I've seen this movie numerous times before. Uh, It's been out for 13 years, um, but I I think I've seen it maybe three or four times. I haven't seen it recently, so it was really fun to revisit it. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I'm not really big on uh, Josh Hartnett, but looking through the cast and everything they've done, I could really see them bring previous experience into the current role. And, uh, you know, it was a really fun movie. Uh, the story was great. The actors were good. Uh, it was original uh, based off of a fantastic uh, graphic novel. I say original based off of a wonderful original story. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed the movie. Uh, and yourself, sir?
0: Well, see, I have to disagree with you in the Josh Hartnett part, because I am a fan. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but I do like him. Um, I actually remembered that I watched this movie before, but I couldn't remember a lot of it. I could just remember a lot of the key plot points. And I remembered that I really liked it when I watched it at the time, which is why I was so disappointed that I didn't enjoy these viewings. Ooh. Um, I don't know if it's just the fact that the movie maybe isn't made in my opinion to be watched multiple times, but I did find it a bit more of a drag to go through. Now, even though it had been probably 10 plus years since the first time I saw it, cause I saw it when, well, like when it was a newer movie. And even mm-hmm. though I had forgotten a lot of it as plot points were coming back to me, I was a little bored. Yeah, it's a pretty bare bones plot. So, it's—I won't say it's not an enjoyable movie because I still definitely carry like a, a place in my heart for it, you know, even just based off of the first viewing how much I enjoyed it. But I, I definitely don't think I should have watched it multiple times.
1: <laughs> um, and I—I I think I might know why you didn't like it as much recently. Okay, I think it might be the director. Um, it was directed by David Slade, um, who started with uh, directing music videos. But like when you look at the movies of Hard Candy, uh, this film, uh, he did one of the Twilight movies, Eclipse, uh, um, episodes of Hannibal. He was an executive producer for the series too. Episodes of American Gods, and he also directed uh, Black Mirror, Bandersnatch. And with the exception of the last movie, a lot of these stories are more about how they're made as opposed to the story that's being told.
0: Well, I mean, the only one of the things that you just rhymed off that I watched is I did watch the first season of American Gods. So I really don't have a comparison point um, to have incorporated that into my thoughts on 30 Days of Night.
1: Well... It was, it was produced by Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert of Evil Dead fame. And I can see it with Sam Raimi, too. Sam Raimi, in my opinion, is not a great storyteller, but he is an amazing director and he's a very innovative director, which is what I believe David Slade to be. So especially coming with, or coming from the history of music videos, where it's style over substance, I kind of see that in his movies as well.
0: There was just a few things that maybe maybe could be disproved, and I'm sure you'll throw it back to me.
1: Oh no, by all means, go ahead. That I could like be very wrong.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. I'm always wrong. Um <laughs> there's just a few things that happened when it comes to like the story that like they didn't hit home with me that maybe seemed a little bit more pointless to me, right? Like if they had focused more on the action, it's like Correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, did they ever come back around to Eben's uh, asthma?
1: Um
0: Like, they make a focus of it on a number of occasions in the movie. And, like, even when they go to the store for supplies, he's, like, relieved to get it. But it yeah. never really impacts his performance. It doesn't weigh into the plot at all. Like...
1: Um, It was more of just a... Um a means to add to the tension, uh, specifically when he started having an asthma attack and didn't have his inhaler. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think by the time you get to the end of the film, which I don't want to talk about right now, uh, it the whole thing is kind of pointless. So I think it was more of just like a character element to show somebody who's supposedly like the strong sheriff, like authoritarian character actually is pretty weak physically.
0: Well, I mean, in a town of two police officers, one of them's got to be the stronger one. Yeah. Because I can't imagine that the police department in a town of 500 needs more than two people. Oh, you'd be surprised, man.
1: Really? I come from rural Nova Scotia. We needed a bunch.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, there's 500 people in total, right? Like. Oh, yeah. And I mean, clearly there's a focus on that because when Ben Foster's character first shows up, right? Um, the stranger, I don't, Did they even give him a name? Or did they just? I think he's just referred to as the stranger. Like Josh Hartnett goes over how like how in touch they are with the community. Like you didn't fly in, somebody would have seen you, right? Like yeah, they're so close knit. Like in a town like that, if one of the locals commits a crime, how do you even get away with it? Like everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows everybody's business. Like it's it's like there's there's obvious you Know good and bad with such an isolated place, right? Because you have, um, Mark Boone's uh, Mark Boone Jr.'s character, Bo, who like says, like, you know, didn't we come out here for freedom? Yeah, but then you, you still have a police force because there's still laws that you have to follow, which is understandable, but at the same time, like, if 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 something happened, they'd know, like, it's it's way close knit like that, so you know. There are- even rural Very Nova many. Scotia, I'm going to assume, is a higher population than 500 people, or 140 in the one month when the sun goes down.
1: Yeah, uh, where I grew up, when I grew up, yeah, uh, not that many more, no, not that many more. Okay, well, um, sorry, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, sorry. like,
0: I had referenced the stranger. Can we talk about that character a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I wanted to uh, go into the characters anyway. I was going to start off with Hartnett, since you actually brought up uh, uh, a scene with him and Bo that kind of irritated me.
0: Okay, um, well, why don't we do that, and then we'll we'll circle back.
1: Okay, so you're a fan of Hartnett. What, what do you like him from? Do you remember what you saw him in that you really enjoyed, or do you just know that if he's on screen, you're going to enjoy the performance?
0: Well, I mean, he is a pretty good-looking fella, so I'm going to like that all the time. Um...
1: <laughs> He is a good-looking dude.
0: But, like, if I think back to it, I can't think of any one movie that just really stood out to me. Like, I know when I was younger, I really liked the movie O. I liked Black Hawk Down. I forgot about O. Like, I've seen some of the other movies he's in, like 40 Days and 40 Nights, but they're not movies that would have made me like him. Um... Because I can't think of a reason, I'm just going to say because he's pretty.
1: (laughs) Well, he was in Halloween H2O. I think that was, like, pretty early in his career after the faculty, which was great.
0: But I didn't see Halloween H2O. I've been warned by many to avoid it.
1: Halloween H2O is great.
0: We'll see. I'm sure at one Um, point
1: I'll end up watching it because you said it's great. Uh, Have you seen the faculty? No. Uh, Pearl Harbor, probably not. You did see Black Hawk Down. Yeah. Um... Sin City? Mm, I mean,
0: I've seen it. I couldn't tell you anything about it at this point. No, okay.
1: What about uh, Lucky Number 11? Nope. And you definitely didn't watch any episodes of Penny Dreadful. Okay, then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for making I, uh, that assumption.
0: It's correct, but thanks for making it.
1: No problem. Saving time. Um, I, I found his character annoying. Okay. Because... He presents himself as a do-gooder, and that's how everyone sees him. But he's kind of a dick, especially with ticketing Bo. And it's the whole thing of like uh, you're breaking the law, I have to ticket you. And Bo replies with, "Well, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do anything." And then after the ticket's been issued, and Bo leaves, um, Eben, Josh's character, Eben talks to I think it was was it Deputy Billy. Billy, yep. Um, saying that he lives on the outskirts of town and that was just a means to let him know he's part of a community. That's a, that's a dick move, man. Why don't you just say it's the law and leave it at that?
0: See, I, I, I looked at it, it a doesn't little... Really
1: add to Bo's character because after that scene, Bo is basically buddy-buddy with most people in the community.
0: See, I, I saw that a little differently because Bo says, like, I'll add it to the collection. Mm-hmm. Which almost made me feel like he doesn't even pay these. Like, it's almost like a formality that he just gives them them and, like, there's no actual follow-up on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Never really thought about that.
0: I mean, I could be wrong on that, but that was just the impression I got. It was like, oh, this isn't really a citation that I'm issuing you. I'm, I'm giving you one. You understand that we have laws, but if you don't pay it, whatever. Like... I just got that impression just based Mm on how um, Bo just, like, he he wasn't as pissed off about it as he could have been, right? Um, And really, like, if he has a collection of them and he's still able to drive and has his license, like, clearly there's been no repercussions on it. Yeah,
1: nobody's enforcing these.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's almost like he still has his freedom, but there's this, like, Fake veiled form of community that he is citating him for and keeping him a part of, but like that's just a formality.
1: Yeah, no. one Why? thing that always stood out to me was his name Evan. Eben. I'd never heard that before, and I looked it up and immediately felt like an idiot. Why is that? It's just a short form of Ebenezer. Okay, then. Yeah, which apparently is a Hebrew name, which means Stone of Help. So I'm sure that wasn't uh, just randomly chosen.
0: Oh, jeez. Going way too far into that. My my comment, my additional comment on the scene was going to be, I liked Mark Boone on Sons of Anarchy and therefore like him as an actor.
1: I liked Mark Boone Jr. in every TV show and film that's ever been made because he's all over the place.
0: He is. He is. Like, I... I first saw him at least in a more prominent role in Sons of Anarchy, because clearly I saw this movie back in the day. But then, like, I start seeing him pop up in, like, TV shows and movies' minor roles appearances, and I'm always like, from, from this day on, I'm going to like him because of Sons of Anarchy.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I looked him up for this and saw that he's had 157 roles. <sighs> um, I just grabbed a few for mention that I think were pretty popular. Uh, Memento which is one of my favorite movies. Um, yet another vampire movie, John Carpenter's Vampires. Uh, he was in The Grey. He was in Batman Begins. Of course, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, he's... I think he's one of the ultimate hey, it's that guy actors, which is almost kind of insulting, I guess, because he is an acting superstar. He has so much talent.
0: He He's very good. Um, and to be honest, like I looked up not necessarily what the cast did prior to, but just looked up the cast for the movie before I watched, it, like rewatched it. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh man, Josh Hartnett, Ben Foster, Mark Boone Jr. Hell, I even know ben- Manu Bennett." I was like, "This is gonna be great."
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a great cast, man. Do you know
0: what I know Manu Bennett from? No, it's not Death Race.
1: <laughs> was he in Death Race? Well, what was the shitty one you made me watch? What was the shitty movie I made you watch? Okay. The Let shitty me, yeah, think the shitty, about the last twelve years.
0: The shitty death race that we watched with Josh. Was it twenty
1: fifty, twenty forty?
0: Yeah, he was the main character of that. Got into the Holy fight. Shit. Hotel. Really? Yes.
1: Man, that was a great movie.
0: No, no. Um, but I actually first saw him in um Arrow. He was um Deathstroke Oh cool in season two and had some more kind of intermittent appearances after like a regular season two and that's mm-hmm. the first time I saw him to the point where like when we watched Death Race 2050 I was like, oh come on my man you're better than this <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh he was good in that movie I forgot that was him
0: I'll have to rewatch that all right we're we're all over the place here though you wanted to talk about
1: characters. Yeah, well, the actors and their characters. So we've already talked about Josh Hartnett and Mark Boone Jr. Um, Melissa George, I only recognized from two films. Okay. Do you recognize her from anything?
0: Nope.
1: For me, it was Dark City and Amityville Horror Remake with Ryan Reynolds. Um, Both fun movies. She was also in Mulholland Drive, which I absolutely hate, and uh, Alias and The Good Wife. Uh, I didn't really know what to make of her character, Stella. I found Um, her annoying. Kind of, right? Yeah. Uh, It's also kind of weird that the soon-to-be-divorced couple, he's the sheriff of the town and she's the fire marshal.
0: Well, she's not the fire marshal of just the town, right? Because they... they, I thought she was. Well, she's the fire marshal of that town, but I think like she's an Alaskan fire marshal. Because even in the first scene... Oh, statewide. Interesting. Well, because she's talking to... um, Honestly, I, I'm sure he has a name, but I can't remember. And he's asking her, like, oh, you chose to do this town last. Right. not like Carter? Pardon? I thought it was Carter. I could be wrong. It's possible. But, like, they have a conversation and he's, like, saying, like, oh, you chose to do this town last. Right? And even mm-hmm. still, like, when when she calls for help, which, hold on, by the way, that accident that
1: she was in? Mm-hmm. They did not make enough of a big deal out of what it was. It looked like she was going to. She looked like she was in shock, and then all of a sudden she wasn't. And all the other guy did was just apologize because the brakes got stuck.
0: Yeah, Malachi, I think his name was. And he's just like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry the brakes didn't go. It's like, dude, <laughs> you completely demolished her. You're in, I think that was another trencher, which could have like cut apart yep. the entire thing. And like, oh yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, sorry, my bad, man. Right? Like, yeah, like that
1: was pretty stupid. Like, what? Why are you not making a bigger deal out of this? Um a convenient plot device. I don't know if that was in the actual graphic novel, but it almost feels like it was shoehorned in just to get her to stay.
0: I mean, there's so many reasons you could have gotten her to stay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even like something smaller. The truck could have gotten stuck. Hey, I one, so one, everywhere. one time I was driving home in the middle of winter, and blew and a you tire. By a trencher? No, but I blew a tire. Right, like the tire exploded. It didn't just get like a flat. It exploded. Right. Normally, not a big deal, but I couldn't change the spare because the bolts were frozen onto the car.
1: This is riveting
0: i'm just saying i had to get help for that because there was no way unless i was like the hulk i was going to loosen those things and that delayed me from getting home from work for like an extra two hours you could easily miss a plane for much less reason in such a cold climate than having your car entirely totaled by a near fatal trencher accident yeah accurate like, it just, I I mean, obviously my story about the Frozen, like, bolt is stupid, but it just goes to show that it's true, and you didn't need to go that grand in order to have that happen.
1: Accurate, yes, but I think they kind of needed something over the top to make her, or retain her strength as a character, and not be like, well, I'm stuck in a ditch, can someone please help me? More like I've been blindsided by something that could have ripped my car in half and killed me. Well, in that else, please take me to the airport.
0: In that case, at least make a big deal out of it. Like that—that yeah. that car could have been cut clean in half, and it bothered me so much. Like I did the second viewing for this review, and I had to like pay extra attention to that to be like, yeah, they didn't care. And like even after the fact, she's not like. Oh, the adrenaline's worn off. I'm so shaken up. She's just like, Yeah, the car got totaled. Right? Like,
1: nobody seems to care. <laughs> Take me to your aeroplane.
0: Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack you so much, but you can go back to talking about her. I've I've had my moment.
1: No, that's fine. Uh we'll talk about her more as we get into the plot of the movie or the uh the uh plot progression of the movie. Sure. Um wanna go to Ben Foster though as the stranger.
0: Okay, I definitely have some things to say about him.
1: Okay, well, I just want to let people know, if they actually enjoyed him in this movie, check out his other work. Uh, The first time I ever saw him was in The Punisher, the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. Um, Then you've got Six Feet Under, Alpha Dog. Uh, He was in the worst X-Men movie, as probably the worst X-Man, as Angel. Um, But then 310 to Yuma, which is a remake of one of my favorite westerns. Pandorum is one of my favorite sci-fi horror films. Uh, Hell or High Water is a recent film that was a lot of fun, and unfortunately, he was also in Warcraft. Yeah. Yeah, he was.
0: Yeah, he was. But here, here's the thing. I really like Ben Foster. Right? He's amazing. I've liked him in everything I've seen him in, much like anybody else, though. Couldn't tell you what I saw him in.
1: I know he was yeah. in Warcraft, though. He's probably his char- one of the strongest actors in the in the film.
0: But his character didn't sit well with me.
1: Why not? i
0: think it's the accent that he used
1: yeah it was very strange very different very creepy though i thought it actually worked with the character very well
0: like it was very creepy but i think the problem with it was i couldn't pinpoint it to anything right like it's just he's just a weirdo right which clearly he is right oh yeah yeah definitely but his character really threw me off because like okay we start off the movie and he's like looking at like the remains of a ship i'm gonna guess that was like the previous target
1: maybe i'm pretty sure the ship was how the vampires got there
0: yeah so like maybe but also like you know they commandeered the ship and took
1: out the crew or something a major major problem with that which we'll get to after we're done talking about ben foster and danny houston
0: okay um so like he's like a scout
1: kind of he's he's their familiar but they don't he does during the day what they can't
0: but they don't seem to need a familiar yeah they do like they used a few humans for bait but
1: Literally, no, he, goes in and, he goes in and preps the town. That's why he went in early, because he was the one who went around and killed all of the uh, the dogs and stole all of the satellite phones and burned them so there was no contact with the outside world.
0: Okay, that phone part was ridiculous. Yeah. Because Eppen is like, oh, kids didn't burn these as a prank. Otherwise, they would have left a note like a fuck you to their parents. I'm like, what kid pulls a prank and then leaves a note? That is in my list of
1: nitpicks. Like,
0: with, I'm sorry, but if there's somebody that's willing to commit vandalism, they're probably not going to be courteous and leave a note. And I'm like, how did you deduce that? How are you the deputy? Are you the only one that applied for the position? He's not the deputy. He's the sheriff. He's the head Joe. I meant to say sheriff. Shut
1: up. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry for your mistake.
0: <laughs> you just never let them slide. <laughs> but yeah, like... He's young, like he's clearly not like a seasoned veteran. Um, he doesn't seem to have the greatest deductive skills. Like, how did he become the sheriff? Did
1: nobody else apply? You know, we're talking about Ben Foster, yeah.
0: Yeah, you just you got me sidetracked. You have to expect that type of thing to happen.
1: We'll we'll get into it in the nitpicks, man. All right, all right. Let's just talk about how amazing Ben Foster is and how he was the best actor in this film. I I can't I can't say he was. Oh, you're not right all the time, I guess. I,
0: according to you, I'm never right, but again, that accent makes me not think he's the best.
1: No, uh, I don't know if that was his idea or if he was directed to do such. Um, I do have the DVD. I haven't gotten around to watching it with the commentaries yet, but I really want to because there's certain things about the movie I'm very curious about still I never found in any of my research. Damn um, it. But now he that always I've... plays an oddball. Now I that I think, think
0: about it, I have to agree with you. He was the best actor in the movie. Yeah. Simply because I don't think anybody else did a better job. Maybe if Mark Boone was on screen more often than he was, he would that have been would be the best nice. actor.
1: Pardon? Yeah, that would have been nice. He's a great actor. He, he really is. Um, um, go ahead. As, as the familiar, I thought he played a really strong role. In the graphic novel, I'm pretty sure he actually is a vampire. So I don't know how that would have played out in the books. I haven't read them yet.
0: What, like Um, more like a fledgling type vampire? Like a...
1: Yeah. Not fully turned or anything like that? He shows up looking like the other vampires. Um, But I I, have always enjoyed the uh, the classic vampire trope of having the familiar, somebody who will do something for the vampires during the day that they will not be able to do because they'll die from the sunlight. Um, Yeah.
0: And I honestly think that that maybe would have gone over if they just... Embrace that a little bit more, right? Well, it's
1: right out—it's right out of Bram Stoker's Dracula, man. He's the Renfield character. No, no, no.
0: He's, what I'm saying is, I don't think that they played up the fact that he was a familiar in the movie enough.
1: I disagree, um, because he's the one that's telling um, uh, Eben and I think Jake and the grandma and I don't know if Stella was there or not in the while he's in the holding cell about basically how. They're coming and how no one will be left alive, like he's obviously setting things up for them. So he knows what's going to happen, and he's there to make sure that it will happen as easily as possible. I, I think that really plays up well, that and him being super disappointed that the vampires came into the town and didn't go get him first. And then you see that scene with him and Marlow later on, which is confusing to me because it doesn't make sense plot wise.
0: Well, I mean, if you want to talk about not making sense plot-wise, the familiar f- flat-out tells them that they're coming. hmm I mean, wasn't the whole idea to be sneaky about it? To catch them unaware? And then they have the familiar just go into a diner, make a scene, and
1: say that they're coming. I'm pretty sure he doesn't say that they're coming until he's already in the holding cell and they come that night. Like, they don't really have a chance. He's just toying with them. I guess. I could be wrong.
0: I mean, there was a couple of instances. Even like when they take out Gus at... um, What's the one factory that they were going to?
1: Oh, the Utilidor?
0: Yeah. When they take out Gus early in the movie, they put his head on a stake. Mm -hmm. Which also really threw me off because I'm like, again, why are you putting up warnings? yeah that was very strange and and then for the future part of the movie they don't preserve body parts like that at any point so that seemed very out of
1: character for them it could have just been toying with the inevitability of them actually attacking everybody i I could see that they're they're dicks
0: Yes, but i mean like the earlier scenes that they showed they were being more stealthy right like they were attacking out of the shadows there's the one scene with um, the two workers and the girl. Was it Denise?
1: Uh, I forget her name, but I know what you're talking about, yeah.
0: Where, like, again, they're they're not just coming right out like that. Like, they're pulling them into the shadows. Like, there was a level of, like, concealment that they were trying to use. But then at the same time, they just put a head on a stake. So it's like, okay, well, which is it? Like, you're, okay, it's, we're here tonight. We don't care. It's, like, It's over.
1: Or well, they're not they're not exactly subtle about it. Like even when the vampires are attacking, they just dive through windows.
0: Exactly. I don't understand. There's no consistency to it. <laughs> like, did they but want the ele-
1: did they want the element of surprise or not? Let's talk one more actor and then we'll we'll let the actors go and we'll get more into the yays and nays of do we agree with how this movie played out. Alrighty. Uh I really do want to mention Danny Houston. Okay. as uh, the head vampire, Marlowe. I don't know him well. Uh, I do remember him from The Proposition, which is like an Australian Western film. I remember from Children of Men, number 23, um, Edge of Darkness. I remember him as, I'm remember i pretty sure he was Poseidon in the Titans movies. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't Poseidon. Polaris? Okay, I don't know. I remember he was in the Titans movies and American Horror Story. Um, but I will never, ever be able to forgive him uh, for playing Stryker in X-Men Origins Wolverine. that was such a bad movie (laughs) (laughs) but i felt like in this he had a very commanding performance
0: i i Um, i can't take anything away from him because for a guy who had no english words in his dialogue other than no god mm -hmm. uh he did a pretty good job because he had to convey it all in I don't know, was that an actual language or was it just, not not like the guttural grunting and stuff, but like when they did make some noises, that was completely fabricated, right?
1: Yeah, they made up the, an actual language for the movie.
0: So for a guy who doesn't have any English words, who's using, you know, like fake language and, you know, facial gestures and, and all that, he did a very good job conveying what he wanted to.
1: Agreed. And I think that it also helps that he's hes not just an actor, but he's also a director. And I think being such, uh, it was very easy for him to understand how to take direction from a director because he could actually, he's been in their shoes. He knows what they mean. He's been there before. And I think just for small reasons like that, he was probably the best actor you could cast for that role.
0: Yeah, it, it would be like, that would be a challenging role to play.
1: Yeah. Now, he was one of probably one of my favorite villains of any movie I've seen. The He has the look. He has the the movements down. He has, like I said before, it was just a commanding performance. Every time he was on screen, I could not look away. There is one thing I need to talk about,
0: but I'm sure we'll talk
1: about that later. Well, I mean, that was the last actor I wanted to talk about. If you want to get into like random plot points, I'm down.
0: Uh, it wasn't actually random plot point. Plot points. It was the imagery of the vampires. Sure. Um, why did every other vampire have these like
1: elongated facial features, and not him? Um, it was to make the others look um, otherworldly, to take away some of the generic human features, uh, and having him look more human uh was to be like the link between humans and vampires he was supposed to be the the bridge between the two um commanding the otherworldly ones while having a recognizable image of their prey honestly
0: i think i would have preferred it if they all looked more like him you know the the teeth the claws but not the elongated features i thought that was a little too much
1: yeah, they they did way too much work on the eyes. I don't think they needed to do that. They
0: they didn't look right to me. Um, pretty much any of them. Like there is the kind of bald vampire that's there more often, and the female, which I guess are maybe his right and left hand. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tenants or anything like that. Um, that just like it di- it didn't look right when they were on screen. It just yeah, there's something like, off. It's almost like they like they turned it to eleven, and it's like you should have gone a little bit more subtle with this. This looks like yeah. you guys had like the worst botched plastic surgery ever.
1: Yeah, it really did, actually.
0: <laughs> like, Good call. You went for a <laughs> facelift, and they pulled the whole thing back. Like I, I don't know, like the the vampires, if they were all done in the way that that Marlo was done, just you know, kind of more human with the vampire features and not, like, turning it up to 11 with the, like, mutations. Yeah. Um, I think it would have looked a lot better from an imagery standpoint.
1: Yeah, I agree with that fully. Um, we know this is a horror film. It's almost an action film. But I would also say it's probably a great siege film. Agreed? Yay? Nay? Nay? I can see it. I can see it. I, I, It really reminded me of Assault on Precinct 13, where you've got a bunch of people like uh, police officers and the um, uh, criminals in jail in a police station that's basically running its last night before it's leveled and everybody finds work at other precincts. And then you've got an assault on that precinct by people who don't want those criminals to be able to talk about the information they know. It's, it really feels like the remoteness of it's Barrow, Alaska. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And a dilapidated police precinct in basically a ghost neighborhood of a town, it almost feels the same to me. And I think I might've put my love of Salt on Precinct 13 on 30 days of night. And that might be why I can forgive its shortcomings. That's possible. Sorry. That was, that was a little bit of a tangent there that I really don't expect you to have any say on. I just wanted to get that out.
0: Oh um, yeah. Cause I don't go on those myself. So <laughs> <laughs> shame on you, Ben.
1: <laughs> what, um, what did you think of the, uh, the color scheme of the film? Cause that's something that really stood out to me that I really appreciated uh, on every viewing.
0: Yeah. Uh... I mean, I thought it was pretty dark.
1: Um, yeah, a lot of white, black, blue, and then they use a uh, red to pop.
0: Yeah, a very thematically appropriate, very atmosphere setting. Um, yeah, it really adds to the almost like desolate, clusterphobic, clusterophobic feel of such an isolated town. Yeah. Um that really reflects the feeling that they have as well where they're almost like trapped animals right yeah they're not they're not for the majority of the movie they're not even trying to fight back so much as just survive
1: right so it it, it it, was also go ahead
0: uh the final sentence i was going to say is it just really added to the feel of despair
1: yeah it's also the best use of day for night that i've ever seen in any film A lot of the night scenes were filmed during the day and they tinted it in post. Really? Yeah. uh, That's where you get those really vibrant blue of the night sky. Um, I felt that really helped a lot of the other colors pop on screen. Um, The entire town of Barrow was constructed just for this film in New Zealand. New Zealand? Yeah, it was filmed in New Zealand. Wow. They must have brought in a lot of fake snow. No, uh, they were at the snow farm. Wow. There's a snow, there's a snow farm in New Zealand. Um, yeah, they, uh, they constructed the town uh, in a bunch of old uh, equestrian um, established buildings. Uh, and uh, apparently one of the problems they had is some of the buildings were too tall. So when they were inside of the uh, almost, they almost looked like airplane hangars. Um, the buildings were too tall, so they had to dig down into the ground to actually get the full height of the buildings. And I honestly think the town they built was absolutely amazing. It looked like a fully functioning town. I thought they had actually gone somewhere in Alaska and just used the town, like paid the residents to film during the night or something like that. I had no idea it was filmed completely makeshift in New Zealand.
0: If you had told me that this was done remote on a location, I would have completely believed it.
1: Yeah. Apparently they were they were going to shoot in Alaska, but at the time they wanted to shoot, they were worried that the actors would freeze to death
0: yeah that's a that's a concern. I mean could have gone sure. much more south in Alaska, but then maybe you wouldn't have the same remote um, uh, location like uh, not not like shooting remote but like remote landscape to to do it in yeah
1: um, there is something else I do have to say about this movie that is one of my favorite things of all time. Okey-dokey. It has my favorite shot of any movie I've ever watched in my life, and that is the crane shot over Main Street as the vampires are attacking en masse, and it's the back and forth battle between the residents and the vampires, probably the most realistic version of mass panic I've ever seen in a film, um, but the, the CG use of blood was perfect. You just see vampires jumping residents, residents blowing off vampires' heads with shotguns. They're like It was an all-out war, and they caught it in one sweeping shot. It was beautiful.
0: It was well done. It was. Like, I, I definitely can't say that any of the stuff that I disliked came from the cinematography side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they definitely knew how to shoot scenes, how to shoot locations. Um, even, like if 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 this was considered more of an action movie than a horror movie like a lot of the action scenes were very well done like you even have yeah, the scene were. where um uh Eben and Stella are like in like uh the vehicle and they first see like the one vampire like jump on the roof of the car and he's banging on it like it's all done very well yeah
1: it is uh, that's another nitpick for me though okay why is that <laughs> Uh, we'll get to nitpicks. I was actually just looking up the uh, the cinematographer, the uh, sorry, the director of photography. Um, again, American Gods work, So he and David Slade have worked together numerous times. Uh, some Hunger Games movies uh, and a lot of music videos. So there you go. That's where the the cinematography style is coming from.
0: Well, I mean that carried. I don't know about the direction, but the cinematography carried over from the music videos to like feature film very well.
1: Oh yeah, incredibly well.
0: Obviously for the type of film, obviously this is maybe not going to work as well for a rom-com, but, you know, <laughs> a high-action horror movie where you need things like quick cuts, sweeping shots, all done very well.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I felt they used uh, the sense of um, claustrophobia very well after the initial attack and everyone's hiding in freezing buildings scattered around the town. Mm-hmm. It was pretty pretty disturbing like just the idea of having to lay low with no power in the northern tip of alaska in the winter with no food don't make a sound because they'll come hunting you
0: yeah i mean it it definitely like when some of the characters were having breaking points Mm -hmm. right like the fight that started in the attic the, the father trying to run away oh that was
1: heartbreaking you... I don't I didn't like that character.
0: Okay, but you can like you can kind of understand that these people are reaching like a mental breaking point.
1: Yes, of course. but the reason why I didn't like the character is I don't think they needed to have uh, a senior citizen with dementia being put through that scenario. I, I think that might have been a little too much.
0: I mean they also had a little girl which is one of my issues um,
1: Well yeah but... you're a dad yeah okay so like... you being a dad and me having grandparents that went through dementia we agreed there are certain elements that affect us differently which I guess is pretty interesting well, I mean like... I just felt I felt really bad man like I I don't think they needed that element um, I think it was more sad with the uh, the father character and more shocking with the use of the little girl
0: i didn't like the little girl <laughs> yeah i know you didn't not just not just because it was a little girl but like the the line delivery of like i'm done playing with this one. or oh, that was terrible it was absolutely awful. terrible so like that, that was probably rude, that scene to me that was probably the most cringeworthy part of the movie and yep. if she had just said nothing at all it would have been way better yeah and that's that's another thing that really really bothered me and I'm sure it's not we're not ready for nitpicks yet but the inconsistency of people that turned into vampires.
1: Yes, especially after Marlo said not to turn anybody.
0: But again, like at the same time, whether he said it or not, like some people remained sentient, some people became feral, some people turned very slowly, Like, it just, there wasn't a consistency there.
1: I felt like anybody who turned did turn relatively slowly. Or at least on par with everyone else.
0: Well, Eben definitely didn't.
1: Yeah, but he injected the blood right into himself. That Mm -hmm. wasn't just a bite.
0: I guess that's true. Um, There is the older gentleman. Um, He had lost his family. He talked about trying to off himself um deputy billy no no yeah. um he was, was like billy a family he was like um a native actor
1: you're thinking carter was it he Bill? got uh he got bit by the girl at the store
0: yes yes so it wasn't yeah, carter he did, he did, it wasn't killed. carter at the beginning with um with uh stella when she was checking the supplies it was the guy who said he would Like, she could stay with him and his wife as long as, like, she told them what happened between her and Eben. Um, But that's from previously. Um, But he turned pretty quickly considering the time frame from when he got bit in the store to when they got back to the police station. And he, like, told them, right? Like, I can smell your blood. Like, he was turning pretty quickly. And then you had the guy who was hiding under the building um, who, like, Eben's like, how long have
1: you been under there? I guess, yeah, he was under there trying to, like, save his wife.
0: Yeah, and, like...
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That was a little bit longer.
0: Right? Like, that made it seem like it was a long time. Like, with the little girl, we don't know when that happened. Because, obviously, you discover that some people were hiding in different locations wherever they could. They probably were discovered at different times off camera. Right? Mm -hmm. But, like, there are parts where they show suggestions of how quickly people turned. And there isn't a lot of consistency there.
1: I wonder if it deals with the uh, severity of the bite. I'm sure it's something like that. I'm sure it's covered in the books and they just kind of glossed over it. Yeah. I'm okay with something like that, though.
0: It's not something that made me not enjoy the movie. It's just something that stood out. Again, maybe should have saved for nitpicks, but it it definitely did stand out for me.
1: What did you think of the vampires using that girl as bait? Well, they did it twice, right? Like they used... Didn't they do it twice? I'm pretty sure it was only once where she was wandering down the middle of main street yelling for help.
0: Yeah. That's where the, the line no God.
1: Yeah. uh, And you just see the vampires like on the rooftops following her, waiting for somebody to come out to help her. Yeah. But like creepy.
0: What about the near closer to the end of the movie? There's like the little kid in like a, a snow jacket covered in like kind of blood and ends up hiding under the vehicle with Stella.
1: Yeah, I think that was actually just an oversight on the vampire's part.
0: Oh, see, because I got the impression it was the same kind of like just walking down the middle of the street. Um, Like, maybe you could argue, oh, this child is just traumatized and is just aimlessly walking because their brain has broken.
1: No, but at this point, there was only, like, they thought six people left, and then Carter turned. Um, So this kid would have been the other final person in the movie so they probably just didn't even know that kid was there and they were focusing on where they knew the others were
0: yeah but again the kid is walking like right down the street right like
1: the small child light footsteps i don't know man not a lot of noise
0: well big difference right like they clearly sent the girl out she's calling for help yeah this kid's just walking completely silently and yes it's feasible but i got the impression that it was another bait trap um, no. just based how it happened and that they managed
1: to luck out and, you know, get the kid. Yeah, it, it could be, uh, I, I don't think so, but it could very well be. Um, that actually, brings but I do me... want to go back to the first bait trap. Sure. When, like when you see the emotion of the vampires, when they get frustrated that their bait isn't working. So they just take turns slashing the girl.
0: Yeah.
1: And that is where the, uh, girl starts muttering for god and i think this is this is danny houston's best best scene in the movie where he responds with god and then slowly looks around at the sky and responds with no god
0: yeah and it's not just like like even just the way that he does it at such a
1: slow pace like that is oh he's in no rush whatsoever
0: yeah and like
1: he's in complete control
0: that is i agree with i don't think it's just his best line scene in the movie i think it is the best line scene in the
1: movie yeah yeah it, i agree with you completely. it, it, is, it is delivered is so
0: well and it's gonna stay
1: with you yeah um the axe kills in that movie were fucking awesome <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> they were man they were really really good uh Kind of hard to watch with the uh, the child vampire, but um, with the guy getting caught up in the uh, the swing set, yeah, and then Evan just taking those whacks with the uh, the axe. It's like God, man, they're really going hard with graphic violence in this movie when it makes sense.
0: Oh yeah, Billy's
1: final scene, yeah,
0: when he gets his arm caught in the um, machine, and then. He's starting to turn. He's lost his arm. And Eben just has to give him a couple of chops, right? And, like, they don't... You know, like, with Carter, they they go to another room. You don't see it. They focus on the reaction of the people left in the original room. And that's like, why
1: I thought Carter was a really... is Like, a surprisingly deep character for a supporting character. The fact that he was the first one who's like, guys, this is what's happening. This is where it happened. Um... I know it needs to be done and gets Evan to kill him, but they go to a separate room as opposed to just like everybody else Seem to just turn and accept it.
0: And not just that, he also uses that time almost like a, like a final farewell. He admits yep. that he wanted to kill himself too, right? When he yep. lost his family. I think Billy does almost the same thing where he says like the gun caught, uh, gun jammed or
1: something like that. Well, yeah, um, Billy adding so much more darkness to the movie by killing his family so the vampires wouldn't get them and then saying that he was going to kill himself too but the gun jammed. Like, yeah. this a really dark, depressing movie, man.
0: Versus Carter, who lost his family, not because he did it himself, but then also wanted to kill himself. Yep. And he didn't have the nerve to do it. And now that he's been bitten, it's almost like he, he even says, like, I know that they're waiting for me, right? Like, he mm-hmm. he he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want to go through with it. Like it's not like the gun caught jammed for him, and he, he tried to kill himself. He didn't. He thought about it. He realized that it, you know, he had to like, go on. Um, but then when he did get bit, it was just like a like he just accepted it, and he looked forward to you know, seeing his family again. Right? Like they they did two very similar situations, but mm-hmm. that came out completely different.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think. Both came out very well. Like they Absol- actually added to the story.
0: Absolutely. For what they were going for, it absolutely added it to it. Because even with Billy's, if Billy didn't do that, then I don't think that the final scene that he was in would have worked as well. Because that no, was but- almost like his redemption. The sacrifice yeah. he made was his like, yeah, I messed up. I need to make good before I'm gone. Because he was already bit, right? Like So he knew he was bit. But okay. he still, like, tackles the guy in there, loses his arm. Like, he he needed a little bit of redemption at that point. Maybe he would have needed more redemption for what he did, but still, two completely different scenes, done very well, both very powerful. Agreed. You
1: want to get into some uh, nitpicks?
0: Well, I wanted to ask you, because we, we got sidetracked, but when we were talking about the little kid walking down the street that I thought was the second bait trap, Yeah. and you were saying, like, this might just be, like, the second person left alive or the second last person left alive one thing that bothered me about the movie and i guess this will conv- uh, transition us to nitpicks pretty well is that they don't actually show who survived um like the f- the only final scene we get is Eben and stella watching the sunrise but yeah Eben's brother made it right didn't he yes i think denise made it i don't see it any was her
1: name denise
0: I don't know. Yeah, it was Denise. Yeah, yeah. But like, the two of them, I presume made it. They didn't leave the warehouse. The little kid that was hiding under the truck with Stella, we didn't see anything happen. So we're to assume there was a handful of survivors, not a lot. But the only ones we see are, well, I guess not because Eben clearly doesn't make it. Um, but Stella and Eben watching the sunrise.
1: Well, we are getting to my biggest problem with this movie, and that is the ending. Okay, sure. But Oh, I, do you I want to go seen... through
0: nitpicks first, and then we'll go back to
1: the ending? Yes, well, my nitpicks are chronological throughout the film, so huh. it does end with the ending. All right, let's go. All right, okay. How can the vampires use a boat? How can they use the boat and go completely undetected?
0: Uh, they were a ship crew in their former
1: lives. How does nobody see the boat when they acknowledge the fact that there are planes flying in and out of northern Alaska? Well, that one is a it's, little it's different. It's a massive, it's almost like a tanker, man. Like, it's a massive ship. It is, but it almost it almost implies
0: that Ben Foster did quite the walk to the town. Yeah. So it's still,
1: it's you're going like, to be up pretty high when you're flying. You yeah. would be able to see a giant black ship next to snow.
0: Yeah, but who was really flying? They had people flying out of there. Maybe they well, saw a ship on the, the shore. The planes but... had to come in and pick people up. That's true. But, like, if they just see a ship, are they going to
1: question it? Probably. They don't have a dock. Yeah, that's true. There's no shipyards. All right. All right. Uh, Point for Ben. What's the next one? <laughs> The next one we already covered, and that was why does Eben think that if kids burn the phones that they would leave a note. That's just stupid.
0: That's so stupid.
1: <laughs> so stupid. But we've already covered it. Two points uh, for Ben. Next. The vampires are all well-dressed. Looks cool, but doesn't really make any sense.
0: You'd think that they would be a little worn torn
1: They also don't care about getting blood all over their faces and hands. Like, they're not doing their laundry. So... What's up with that?
0: Because it looks cool.
1: Fair enough. That's why I said. It looks cool, but it doesn't make sense. Three points for Ben. Next. Vampire attack on Eben and Stella while in the Sheriff SUV. Okay. Why the hell would they not have a four-wheel drive in the midst of winter in northern Alaska? It was just a rear-wheel drive car. And from my my research, TravelAlaska.com says that winter is roughly October through March. So they've got a solid period where a four-wheel drive is mandatory.
0: You would think that the only vehicles there would be four-wheel drives. Right. And, like, snow tires, chains, things like that. Like, you'd think that they would have every preparation possible for the yeah.
1: condition. Would you give me a 0. 0.4 for that one?
0: Yeah, I'll give you a, it's like a 3.5, but I'll, I'll round up to 4.
1: All right, next burning the town to the ground so there'd be no trace of the vampires ever having been there. Pretty sure that if the town was investigated after the fire, people would be asking why there were so many bodies missing their heads. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that many were missing their heads, but... Yeah, they were, man. Did you see all the vampires in that crane shot I was telling you about earlier? They just had their heads blown off by shotguns.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: Also, there'd be the skull on the stake yeah or the pike. <laughs> Gus's head on a stake.
0: Which, because I'm assuming that the fire wouldn't have reached there. They were supposedly fairly well off, or far off.
1: So, I'm just going to state that I get a point for that one, because that's absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Next. Yeah. Evan kills Marlo by punching through his head. Yeah. No other vampire has that kind of strength. And it's just really dumb and looks awful.
0: Especially considering that, like, Eben, yes, he injected it rather than getting bitten. Mm -hmm. But he turns very quickly, still keeps his, right, like, control over himself. And becomes super strong, just like that. It's like, oh, it's like a super vampire somehow. And
1: he injected himself with blood from somebody who hadn't fully turned.
0: Yep. And even to the ending, like, he's still just fine. Yep. (laughs) Like,
1: okay. All right, next point. Marlo dies and the vampires retreat. Sure. (laughs) Like, there was no follow-up plan. They're like, well, if he's dead, I guess we all have to go away. Yeah, where did they go? Right? And, like... Which brings me to my next point. The horrible, heroic sacrifice of Eben injecting himself with the blood, turning. That angle, it just weakens an incredibly strong movie. And the worst part of it is as soon as he kills Marlo, the sun rises. He has a quote that says, it's almost dawn. We made it. You're like, Cool. Stay inside the building for 15 minutes. Yeah, but I mean, then the fire would have gotten
0: Stella under the truck.
1: But they didn't. He just went for a fight and then she ran.
0: Yeah, because that was the distraction. If they ran without him doing that, they would have saw them.
1: Okay. Again, heroic sacrifice. Completely unnecessary. I agree with you. I hated that part. Yeah. She was divorcing him.
0: I was just trying to argue it. Like, she shouldn't have even been in the movie. She didn't contribute anything good. Yeah. Just her being under that truck just meant that Eben didn't survive with his brother and uh, Denise. It's like, if she she got on that plane and left, what would she have really changed? Yeah. No idea. But then, like, Eben, who decides to, like... Sacrifice himself He's even like Should I go after them? like No Yeah That's cool
1: Whatever I'm just gonna Walk over here with you And sit watching the sunrise And hope to dear God That you don't Change before you die And kill me too
0: And really Where would the vampires have gone? We're in Barrow, Alaska How would they have escaped the the sun?
1: Run to that boat They wouldn't have made it in time there's no it, way. I know. The whole movie doesn't make sense at the end. That's why I said it's the opposite of Fat Man. Like, how I, I would change the ending. Like, the ending for Fat Man was pretty good, but there are things I would change. The ending of this was just terrible. And there's a lot I would change.
0: All right. Well, what would
1: you change? Let her die, man.
0: Let Stella die? <laughs> Let Stella die. But we learned that Eben's not going to let anybody die. He tried to save anybody he could.
1: Mm, I guess.
0: Right? But my, my other question is...
1: like, The more people left alive, the more people I can ticket.
0: My, my other thing is... The vampires somehow knew that the sun was going to come up. Right?
1: You would assume as much, yes.
0: I mean, that's why they, at that moment, set the fire. Right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're just randomly picking a day where maybe they think, okay, we've cleared out the town. I I don't know. Right? But then they light the fire and just stand there. It's like, if the sun's going to come up in 15
1: minutes, shouldn't you be leaving? That's why they should have left the stranger alive. Be like, we need to jet. You stay here and make sure the town burns and you come find us.
0: Exactly! Like, (laughs) they set the fire knowing that the sun is going to come up. Even if they didn't know that Eben was going to come out there because he wanted to save Stella, they should be like, okay, we got 15 minutes, get to the boat. <laughs> like, if Eben didn't come out there and start the fight to save Stella, would they have just stayed there until the sun came up?
1: I guess so. Like, they didn't seem overly smart. It was just uh, Marlo's leading. So shouldn't Marlo then have been like, all right, like, that's us vamoose." <laughs> like, so he's too busy having his brains punched through the back of his skull
0: but even like I said before Eben came out they started the fire and they just stood there watching the fire I get it you gotta make sure that the f- fire is gonna do what it's supposed to
1: but, but you if also, you know, like punctured an oil pipeline in multiple places it's gonna keep flowing you'll be fine get yeah. out
0: but at the same time if you know that the sun is gonna come up and that's why you're doing this now you know that the sun is going to come up. Why are you still standing there?
1: Yeah, it's pretty rough.
0: These were the dumbest smart vampires ever.
1: I think this really would have benefited more from being uh, a miniseries on TV. Like
0: Probably.
1: Because uh, there were a few things I noticed about the graphic novel when I was looking things up. Um, apparently, Marlo is not the head vampire. He's just the head of that group of the vampires, and another vampire finds out about what he's doing in Barlow, uh, or Barrow, Barlow, Barrow, Marlow, Barrow. Got okay. it. Uh, uh, this the actual head vampire, Vincent, um, finds out what's happening and is trying to stop them from executing their plan and letting the world know that vampires exist. But then there's also a group of vampire hunters. Who discover this plan and are actively trying to expose vampires as being real creatures in the world. And I think if you add those elements to it, it would really flesh it out nicely to be like a six, one-hour episode miniseries. And they did they did mm, sequels, did they not? Yes, they did one sequel, uh, directed DVD movie uh, called 30 Days of Night, Dark Days. And the plot of that is Stella. Uh, trying to convince the world that vampires exist. Ugh. I don't know if I'm going to watch that. None of the original cast returned, to my knowledge.
0: Not even the Melissa George not place? L-
1: no, Melissa George did not come back.
0: Well, we've been chatting for about it for a while now, so I think maybe we should get to our closing thoughts.
1: Alright, closing thoughts. I find it weird that they changed the uh, the main character of the story from an Inuit to a white American.
0: I mean, um, that type of whitewashing happens in Hollywood all the time, yeah. though.
1: I also find it strange that the entire cast is mainly white Americans and people from New Zealand in Alaska. But okay. Okay. Uh, that's my final complaint. Um, other than that, I I really, really enjoy this movie. I'm looking forward to checking out the commentaries on the DVD. Um, we were talking about how it's kind of hard for a rewatch. Um it is if you're watching it one day after the previous day. Um, but I've seen this movie numerous times now, and I enjoy it every time. It's a lot of fun. It's well acted. It's incredibly well filmed. Definitely going to follow the director. Uh, and I, I, I think I would actually recommend this movie to anybody that's liked vampire movies in the past or interested in horror films. Um, definitely with the amount of violence and gore in it, uh, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Um, but uh, to a horror fan, 100%. If they haven't seen this, I would tell them they have to watch 30 Days of Night.
0: I would recommend it to only people who are not looking for a strong story element to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I agree with you. Like It's a good vampire movie. If you're a fan of... Obviously, I should say if you're a fan of the genre, if you like rom-coms, then need not apply here. Um, but if, if you like vampire movies out there, like, there's much worse out there. I wouldn't say that you should watch this multiple times by any means, but, like, one viewing, I can absolutely see why you would watch it. Although I don't think you would want to stay after for, you know, many of the reasons we talked about. The nitpicks, the ending, the odd passage of time during those 30 days that just seems to jump around. Um, watch it once, move on.
1: Oh, rough. I will say, though, if anybody's actually curious to pick up this movie, I highly recommend buying the um, the special features on the disc. Uh, there's a making of featurette, which is eight parts, I think, but it is a very interesting and concise version of how to make a movie from concept to release. It, it It's incredibly comprehensive in a very small amount of time. I recommend for the special features alone.
0: I wouldn't say that me saying watch it once and move on is harsh. I've I've had movies where I've said don't watch it at all. Um, yeah, I know,
1: but watch it once and move on means you can watch it once and uh, there's no point in going back to it.
0: Yeah, that's my opinion. There's no point in going back to it.
1: Your opinion is so
0: wrong. Okay, all right. I mean, says the guy who can't stand the ending.
1: Yeah, but, you know, he could rewrite the ending and it's still a strong movie other than that.
0: I guess I guess you, you might want to watch it a second time and hope it ends differently the second time.
1: You keep this up, I'm going to make you watch <laughs> Death Race 2050 again.
0: You already made me watch it once. Yeah, um, again. I'm not watching Death Race 2050, but that obviously leads me to asking, what am I watching next week?
1: Well, I will get away from vampires this time. Again, I apologize for three vampire episodes in a short period. Uh, but I am sticking with snow so next week we're talking about 2010's frozen last run gotta make it
0: I've been wanting to watch that one, actually.
1: Me too. I haven't seen it yet.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm actually looking forward to next week now. I always was. All right. Until then, have a great one, guys.
1: All the best, guys.